Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Polstering Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick. Hey, good morning, Mark. Breaking news. Yeah, let me have it. Um, I don't know if you looked at a calendar recently. <laughs> you mean those flat things on the wall with all the grid? I have one. Yeah. Uh-huh. You have one. Yeah. Uh, you know we're going into our third year. We are going into our third year. We are. Yeah. Congratulations, partner. And to you as well. Yeah. This is, uh, we're, we're very excited and our, our sponsors uh, have re-upped. Our partners have re-upped California Lutheran University and Tolman and & Weicker and their support and enthusiasm for what we do and the conversations I've had with them is just very encouraging. Any show like this is a, is a very, um, I don't want to say fragile, but like at any moment, uh, momentum could swing the wrong way. And having two really strong sponsors uh, that continue to uh, uh, give us access to really great guests and access to the economy that allows us uh, to produce this show is uh, is unparalleled. That is, the th- that is, without a doubt, that's the, the thing that tips us into success uh, every year is having sponsors that uh, have our backs. And, very much uh, so. And are, are willing to go with us to the direction of the places we want to go. And we appreciate that. Thanks, you guys. I know you're listening. Uh, I would like to introduce you to Tim Goldstein. Tim, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Yourself, Tim, you've got, the, you've got the great job title. You are a neurodiversity communications specialist. And uh, full disclosure, you and I have worked together, and uh, we met through Bo Eason's mastermind group. And uh, you live in, in Denver, yeah. uh, just south of Denver, actually. Uh, but you're out because you're also studying, you're an author, a speaker, a trainer, but you're studying with Roger Love. Tell the, our listener who Roger Love is. Well, Roger Love is uh, one of those hidden secrets in, in Hollywood and behind a lot of public figures. Uh, probably one of the best ways he has been uh, known is when Jeff Bridges stood up and accepted his award and credited Roger Love from the stage as being the reason that he uh, was able to get his voice and succeed in this film. Uh, he also is the coach for a huge number of singers, uh, like Selena Gomez and Maroon 5, people like that. And he also teaches uh, speakers how to be better speakers. Uh, Anthony Robbins is uh, one of his, along with quite a string of other people. So I am studying with him more from the speaking standpoint. Coming, as you know, from being a geek, right. I needed to learn how to speak so normal humans could actually understand what I was trying to say. So explain what a neurodiversity communication specialist does, why you're the only one on the planet who does this, and what uniquely qualifies you to be that guy. Well, I'm going to start backwards and with a uniquely qualified just because. Uh, First off, I I do have uh, Asperger's. I'm on the autism spectrum. I have been diagnosed. I uh, am on first-name basis with my psychiatrist, so uh, we spend lots of time together and uh, chatting about these things. And uh, that's one big piece that I bring into it is I am on the spectrum. So that gives me a very different perspective on things than most people have. Then secondly, I did a complete career when I uh, as a kid into like my young 30s uh, that was in um, 
bicycle business. Started out at retail, mm. went into wholesale, went into uh, eventually putting together an international supply team, a national sales team, a new bike company, those kind of things. Hmm. So I have a full business background, so I understand what the demands are when you need something. Yep. And I've got 20 years in the IT world, uh, working the last 12 as a uh, consultant. So I've been in and out a huge amount of companies and seen the issues they run into with their IT workers because I sit there and work with them day by day. Right. And uh, came to the conclusion quite a number of years ago, uh, well, no, I wouldn't say a lot of years ago, when I was diagnosed, which was about four years ago now, three and a half, pushing on four. And I started recognizing that these people that I work with on a daily basis who struggle to communicate with the business side and the business mm. side gets frustrated communicating back with them, to me, it all clicked. The business request to me made perfect sense because I've played the business role. And I understand in the business role, I don't care how the phone works. I just want to know what I pick it up and dial it dials. Right. Uh, on the other hand, if you talk to me from the geek world, which spending 20 years, you get pretty pretty in-depth into that. I'll tell you all about different things of copper and circuits and relays and things that you wouldn't even probably want to even know and just glaze you over. So by combining those three things of the autism spectrum, which uh, is very prevalent in the technology tech world, uh, along with a business background and a uh, actual IT technical background, in, including doing product design and engineering even, right. it put me in one of those rare positions that there are some other people out there, but uh, they, they're not out trying to teach others. They're off building companies and doing things like that. But it put me in a relatively rare position of being one of those individuals that has 20 years of business background, that has 20 years of IT, and is on the autism spectrum without being affected in my communication abilities. I'm affected right. in a lot of other areas. Sure. Fortunately, that one I was given pretty good. I want to. I'm sorry. I don't want to jump in, but I I want to hear about that diagnosis four years ago. If you're willing, mm. if you're willing to discuss it. Oh, of course. I I, I think that actually, uh, just, you know, you asking me about whether yeah. I'm willing to discuss it brings up a, a very big point. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to say it's from two standpoints. One, I think in this country and probably in the world in general, we don't look at mental health the way we look at the rest of the health. Okay. Like you like know? nobody blames somebody for having uh, a broken leg or, right, right. or you know whatever you got a. You get cancer or whatever. Psoriasis or you've got some skin disease. Right, right exactly. Uh, but if it's mental health, we start blaming it's, you know, well, it's the parents that cost mm -hmm. the kid, it's mm -hmm. the wife, it's the husband, it's the work. It's, it's everything but we want to treat <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> right. Right, right. Finding, the, finding somebody to blame is not going to help you exactly. get through your day. And when you go into the whole autism world, it's even more confusing because of the history of how autism was discovered, was brought out, the fight between who owned it, mm -hmm. all those kinds of pieces. And it's made it such that there's almost no advantage for most people if you're in the working world. To so seek. if you're able to get a job, yeah. to stand up and say, I am on the spectrum. Yeah. You know, by, mm, by saying that mm. to the, I don't know how many listeners we have out, the, your, your listener in Finland is probably not going to hire me for an IT gig knowing that I'm, you know, on the spectrum. It's not good for my, it's not good for my IT career. But if they walked in and saw a guy who clearly has heart disease. They wouldn't care. They'd that say, wouldn't be an issue. No, the only question would be, could you last the year that we need for the project? Yeah, yeah, you know? right, right, <laughs> yeah. That's about the only question. Right, right, right. Uh, so 
I am happy to talk about it because I think that's something that needs to happen. We all recognize in the technical world when we talk to somebody that's a techie. Mm-hmm. I think many of us have had, probably had that experience where they ask you things in ways, and it's not the words they use. The words are fine. The, the words might be, what'd you do when they're coming up to fix your computer? Mm-hmm. Well, if you just take the dictionary and you look up what did you do, what's it mean? They're just asking a question. What? What went on? But but as but the, the way client, they said it, right, right, it sounded like you're the stupidest idiot in the world. Right, right. You broke. This. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bail you out, but I'm gonna make sure you know you're stupid too. Because a non somebody That's who's the not guy who fixes my computer. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the guy who's not on the spectrum, the person who's not on the spectrum is is using all of their other. You know, if if my mom came up and talked to me like that, or if if somebody at a at a restaurant came up and talked to me like that, I would assume that they were accusing me of of failure or of 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 screwing something up, and that I had harmed this person who's coming to help me fix my computer. Of course, none of that's happening, but I'm I'm loading this statement. Yes, yes I, I actually have a uh, a diagram that I use in in presentations, and uh, you know, I hold it up to the microphone, but yeah. I don't know if it's going to do much yeah, for no. us. Uh, and what. It, what it really comes down to is, is uh, in communication, there, there really are three channels that we communicate through. Mm-hmm. And the three channels are, there's the actual words themselves. Sure. There's secondly, the, the tonality, the, the sound, how those words are, the music they come from, regardless mm-hmm. of what the actual words are. Mm-hmm. And then the third part is just your body language, you know, facial movements, body movements, all those kind of things. Most people, as you say, are used to using all three simultaneously, and you're getting information simultaneously right. through all three, and you're giving out information simultaneously through all three. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is for us on the spectrum, we tend to have very, very limited to no ability to read your body language, mm. and your tone means nothing to us. Whether you you discount it completely, just flat, just. All, all we do is essentially as a as a techie. Yeah. The way I take in communication is you say words. I go and hit the dictionary in my brain. I look up what the the dictionary says it is, and that's what the word is. Hmm. I don't look up to say where it says if the wind's blowing from the west, it means this. But if your wife kicked you into the table, it doesn't mean that. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Hmm. Uh, Euphemisms or, or Nuance. nuances are... Now, are... if you give me a euphemism about uh, the Big Bang Theory, now that sure. I'll probably catch because I'm into it. Right, right. But if you well, you've a... researched it. You've studied it. Yeah, but it's something that I like, so yeah, I, yeah. I'll pay attention. But if you were to use a, uh, a more, uh, we'll say, common... Nomenclature know, for something or something. Right, that uh, doesn't resonate in the, the techie, geeky kind of world sure. person. Uh, probably I'm going to look at you and go, I got no clue what you're talking about. Huh. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, lots of the different movies that people talk. Now, science fiction movies, yeah, great. You know, I can talk about those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you make a reference by saying, oh, it's like in this scene of this very well-known picture. You know how the dad felt like that. And you're going. And I'm going, hey, I, I, felt, feel means like I stepped on something. That's what feel means. I stepped oh, on that Lego block. Oh, God, that, I yeah. feel that. Yeah. Um, there's actually a, a Greek word. And I, I'm going to totally screw up how it's pronounced because I never studied Greek in my life. Yeah. Uh, but it's something like Alex, uh, Alex Rithmia uh, is generally how it sounds. Yeah. And what it literally means is no words for emotion. Mm-hmm. In other words, you do not have a word in your brain 
that can take that state you're feeling mm -hmm. and express it to anybody else. There's no words you can put it into. It's not that the words don't exist. It's that you don't have that tie-in between the physicality to right. what the word means. Mm. We're very disconnected from our emotions. Essentially, we live like Spock. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. We live from the neck up. And just like how Spock would run into... Yes, I am dating myself, aren't I? Our younger listeners are going to go, Spock, who I used this. I said Vulcan mind meld at a dinner party last night, and one of the guys goes, What's that? Well, it, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Like, oh, come on. It wasn't heavily featured in the recent J.J. Abrams version of Star Trek, is the problem. Oh. Uh, but if you get into any of this stuff, you have to study it all to know it. I mean, yeah. how, yeah, why would somebody watch only the last one and not want to know where it started? Right? I don't know. I don't know. They've I got, got the new Aspie in the house. The new, <laughs> the new one's come out. I'm very frustrated that I can't access it because I don't have a CBS Plus account or whatever. But I really do want to watch right. the new Star Trek. But it's it's locked. Can't get to it. Uh, how how long ago was it, Tim, that you? You know, because you'd, you'd done 20 years in business, in the bicycle business, and you're very fit. I mean, you hike, I know you hike every day. Um, and then you did 20 years in IT, and now you're, you're a young guy. Um, you're throw, now throw, throw in 10 years of manufacturing business also. Mm. And the 10 years of manufacturing. And now I know you're reinventing yourself. Like you want to get out there and you want to help people. Um, tell me about what that conversation within yourself was like when you said, I... I I need to go do this next thing. And then you started making a plan for it. Because I know the people that are listening, you know, they've been doing something and it's like, it's not satisfying or they feel like they could add more value doing something else. Help us, walk us through that. Well, th this is something that's going to go really back to my Asperger autism trait, uh, which is kind of funny because in the world now, everybody looks at autism, and Asperger's is a specific type of autism, just for the people that don't know. Right. So if I switch words, I'm not changing diseases. I'm just talking in the, either the general or the more specific. And uh, um, gosh, I don't think where I wanted to go with that one. Well, we're gonna, you're going back. So it's like, what was the oh, wanting to do this new business, but it's going back to being an Aspie? Yes. As somebody on the spectrum, we tend to have emotional swings very fast. Hmm. Okay. Both positive and negative, which I'm sure you've seen dealing with tech people. If you do something or whatever goes on, they get in a bad mood, something's yeah. going bad. They tend to stay, it goes fast and it stays for a while. Right. Or the converse thing is, is you have a blowout with them and five minutes later, they're back talking to you like nothing in the world happened. So we flip emotions really, really fast. And we're driven very much by them because we don't understand them. So there's these oh. things going on pushing us that we don't really even know what's going on. Our brain just says, this is a cool idea. Mm. And all that stuff that you would take as emotion of, how do I feel about it? And I, I don't know. We think that's like, you know, bad pepperoni pizza. Uh, that, that's not I telling feel gassy. me. Yeah, it's not telling me any information. Information's coming from my brain. Right. All that rest of that stuff is just whether I tripped when I was running or not. Uh, this is so, my brain is spinning over here. Keep going. It's good. So it's good. What ends up happening is, and I and I have done. There, there's more things I've done than we've listed. It uh, the list is way too long and it's crazy. Uh, but the way it generally goes is you get wrapped up. You get excited about. It. Okay. And as you can probably tell, I get excited just as we're talking right now. Sure, of course. And you get wrapped up and excited about it and. 
the way they refer to it in the psychological world is poor executive control. Hmm. Meaning, I get excited, I do it. <laughs> now, as an adult, I've learned not to do some stupid things. But to me, opening and starting a business isn't a stupid thing, so I just go and do it. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think through it. I don't necessarily plan it all the way out. Uh, so are you suggesting that... I'm not that saying that's this, the way to do it. But, but, <laughs> no, no, no. You know, you're figuring it out, right? I mean, I'm looking at a book that you wrote. You figured it out enough to do the book and going... What's the name? I can't see from over here. Geek's Guide to Interviews, 15 Critical Items for the Technical Type, then Simple Steps to Win the Technical Interview. And, and the audience for this, I'm going to guess, is that technical person who's on the spectrum... They may or may not know they're on the spectrum. That's what I was going to ask. How how do they they know that they know they feel different? Right. They know they're different. They know when they're in. And again, we us on the spectrum at the higher functioning end tend to be drawn into the technology industries. They just resonate with the way our brains work. Okay. so a lot of people, when they get into that environment, you just, it feels good. I mean, I worked in that environment for 20 years, and it felt like home, but I had no clue until the last four why it felt like home. Mm-hmm. And the reason it felt like home was I was hanging out with a bunch of Aspies who also thought like I did. They thought in black and white. They thought in logic. They didn't care whether I came over and said, that's jacked up, or came over and said, you know, you've been doing really nice work, but we need to look at this one little piece. Made no difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it felt like home. Mm. And... Most people don't, essentially what I like to say is about 30 is the cutoff point, 30 years old. Mm. Because of the understanding of autism and it's in the school systems, and of course it was in the young ages where we've had most of the activism and Excuse me, is it something you were born with or something you develop? Well, there's arguments, but the overall thought is, is it's highly genetic, it's highly inheritable, so it's thought as born. And the general thought is it's how your brain forms and wires as it's developing. And not just developing as so prenatal. a fetus. No, that's part. But also as it's developing through that critical three to like six-year-old right. when right. your brain synapses are pruning right. and doing all that. Right. There's thought that because of the combination of how it's shaped, how it's formed, how it's wired, that the prenatal pieces cause it because you're not taking in these pieces of information that other were, the body language pieces. You're not taking them in, so your brain's not pruning those areas the way they would for everybody else. So you end up with a brain that works and processes differently. And that's why it's so important in the kids to catch them in that range because that's the range where if you apply some special ed and there's methods to work around mm, their mm. inhibitions, the brain starts to prune and How do what's supposed How is education doing in that area right now, today, 2017? That's working well. It was actually very interesting. I was at uh, the Autism at Work conference up in, uh, was it in Palo Alto, the SAP uh, executive headquarters. And uh, I, I ended up running into a gentleman that uh, you introduced me to. Uh, which was uh, Oliver that's doing the uh, uh, coding autism. Yep. And he and I got to talk. We had talked on the phone previously, but this is the first time I'd gotten to talk face-to-face with him. And he's on the spectrum and probably impacted more than I am. Mm. Uh, at least communication-wise, I, I, you know, knowing what to look for, I can pick up some things where 
yeah, to me, he's, it's pretty obvious he's been on the spectrum. But the way he explained it was it was caught. He had an older brother who was on the spectrum, so they were looking for it when he was born. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. they got him right. at about one and a half. They knew right. he was on the spectrum, and then he went through all the, the education and training and all that. And he, I mean, other than me knowing because I am an Aspie and I understand the thought and word patterns he were using just kind of, you know, resonated with me and it wouldn't be the way most people would say it. Right. But it wasn't far enough off that if he was sitting here talking with us, you probably wouldn't pick up that he was. But your radar is finely tuned. As well, well it, right? It, it, I mean, it, it's like yeah. all of us. We, we, we recognize people like ourselves real well. We like who we're like. <laughs> yes. That's a hiring thing, right? Is yeah. that you end up hiring yourself? Yeah. That's yeah, a yeah. Pro- then you that's end up a with problem, a company that can only way. do one thing, what yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, um, is autism uh, in our DNA? Yes, it's, it's thought to be. The, uh, and again, this is changing. So, um, the reason I ask is um, I had my, uh, so I'm on 23andMe. And there's now, but it was from Ted 15 years ago that when they just started the company. And I'm just curious if that's something, because then you said your brother had it and they were looking at you. I was thinking, hold it. Do we just do a DNA test? And then we know very young and then we can prepare for that time when it is time to apply special ed. Um, the, the answer is yes and no. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is in the DNA. Okay. Uh, can we do a test and find it from that perspective? No. The problem is the latest research that I heard was that the same 40 genes that are associated with human intelligence seem to be about the same 40 genes that are associated with autism. Comes down to sliding one up and one down and one Bingo. over there. Right. And we don't understand the setting of the 40, so it's not right. It's not like the right. uh, the breast cancer right. was a BRCA1 or a gene. Right. And you can right. you look at Def- one gene. Yeah, I mean, you know right. exactly. Yeah. When you look at you got 40 of them, and you don't know how the settings need to be or what it gives you. So we, we've isolated it down to these 40 seem to have a lot of effect on both intelligence and whether or not you get autism. But they haven't figured out the direct correlation yeah, nor which genes move which right. way. Here, I have a question, Tim. If, if, um, so you didn't know, and nobody, nobody really had that awareness of you until four years ago, that, that, that you were operating inside of what we would ostensibly call the regular world versus the, the, the Asperger's or the autistic world. Right, and being relatively successful in the regular world. More than relatively. Clear, clearly based on okay. what you said. Yeah. You, 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 you were able to hack the regular world using your, your skill set. So, so part of my question is to say, um, you know, and this is kind of that, that, that conversation about saying differently abled versus, versus having a handicap, saying it's a different ableness, which is to say that, that when, we, when we discover somebody at one or three is, is, has the switches, you know, in the right kind of configuration to, to be autism. The, it, for me, I'm interested in saying, okay, now that we have a sensitivity to understanding that they have the switches in the right place, is it about converting them to a high functioning level so they can operate in the regular world? Or is it about exploring with them how they're going to live their life individually rather than, mm. rather than, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, rather yes, than molding I, I, them into me. Th- that's been a, we'll say an argument that's been going on for a long time. And again, remembering that the autism community primi- primarily was built out of children yeah. from the children's standpoint. Right. The whole concept that adults can be on the spectrum is relatively new. 
It didn't uh, occur to anybody that it existed previous to well, this. And, and the, the children grow that, up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, right? That's why I said at the 30-year mark is kind of the mark where now you have people that were diagnosed or not. Because if somebody's about 30, that's about when school systems knew something about it and they Got caught it. them as kids. Yeah. But if you were over 30, they didn't know about it because it was a childhood disease. So when you were a problem in junior high, well, it can't be autism or anything. You're just a brat. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, because there was no concept of it being in a disease that went beyond essentially nonverbal infants is what it was thought as for 30 years. Well, this is, this is that famous moment of, of Temple Grandin standing up and revealing herself to a whole group of parents and saying, no, I'm the one. Well, so speaking of Temple, yeah. I, I actually was just talking to her on the phone a couple nights ago, yeah. and, uh, which by the way was a kick in the pants because talking with Temple is really fun. And uh, she is just huge on the fact that, and I guess back up, and this, this, this really goes with what you asked initially, which is, can you fix them or do you try and uh, make them functional with the features they have? Well, ma- make I mean, them, allow, the allow them to be them. Right. And Temple pushes very much to the allow them to be them because you can't fix them. That's not a, yeah. They're right. not broken. They're not broken. I mean, I, you know, to me, I, I don't feel like I'm dysfunctional. Now, you could ask my wife and my daughter, and they'll tell you there's many <laughs> situations that I am highly dysfunctional in. And as I've learned more about autism, I can see more situations where I know I am not as functional as a, other people are that I didn't know before. I didn't see it before. Hmm. Before, it was just they're stupid. They're idiots. Huh. Uh, now I recognize I'm the one who's the idiot because I didn't catch what, you know, these pieces right. that were in there that I just didn't see. Well, you, you gave it, you gave it a name. You identify that's, I'm going to put them in this category and, and then it hel- holds you in a category. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, th- there was no recognition whatsoever that there was anything other than their behavior mm. that, well, put me, made me put them in the category. There was nothing, there was no thought that. The way I am processing the input is making me put them into that category. Uh, you know, if, if you think about uh, using a, a camera, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a camera is composed of three different color sensors in order to get a, a color picture. Well, if you take a camera, it's only got two color sensors working. You're not going to get the same picture as the person who shoots the scene and, with and three. And am I suggesting that you had said that there were three sensors for communication. Right. And so, and that two of yours are inoperable. Right. Got it. Uh, and that's, that's how that analogy well, but, plays but out. It, but, it, you know, but then that, that argument of like, yeah, but, but look at what he's doing with just one. Right. You know, right, like there's, right, very, right, there's right, still right. interest in But here's in why. And this goes back to the question you asked originally about the business part is, yeah. and how it ties in. We on the spectrum tend to have what they refer to as obsessions, uh, which if it was the rest of you, we would just say you had a really big interest. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Or more commonly, it's referred to as special interest, which is probably a better way to put it. And I think, again, most of you deal with enough tech people from time to time that you've run into the tech person that you've talked about something that just triggered them. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you couldn't shut them up to save your life. I mean, they went on and on and on and on. Special interest. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the trick. That is the whole trick they found to make people who are on the spectrum perform well is leverage their special interest because they have a, a desire. There's a drive. We've gotten rid of the rest of the distraction because I don't have those other two channels coming in. So mm-hmm. I can focus on this one channel at a level that you can't mm-hmm. because you've got two other channels still talking to you, distracting you. Yeah, that's, that, that lines up perfectly with, with my experience of, 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 of 
a variety of people who would not be on the spectrum and can't get shit done because they they're too busy, right. you know, uh, struggling with the massive amount of input that's coming in and trying to over process each of those levels of input as if everything's important. Whereas there's if you could just shut that all out and, and finally tune yourself to just address one problem in front of you that you're really interested. In, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. It w works great. Now, it does cause problems, on the other hand. Uh, put me into a social situation. So, you know, party kind of thing. Networking cocktail, conversation. Yeah. Networking, whatever. Yeah. Again, I, I happen to be quite, uh, you know, gifted, I guess we'll say, uh, you know, compared to the spectrum in the communication aspect. I mean, a lot of people on the spectrum don't have quite the communication abilities. But in that situation, I can be talking to, you know, say, you're at the party and I'm talking to you. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, the most important person in the world could walk right behind you. I would never even notice because I am so locked into wow. you and what yeah. we're talking about. We're in our own world at this point. Huh. We've gone away. We've left the rest of the world. What's around me doesn't matter. I yeah. mean, short of a train, you know, coming to hit me then. Yeah, yeah. You know, big, huge noise, a bang, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah it'd catch your attention. But, but that you're, yeah, inside But you're of... so focused that short of mm. a major, major type thing. Now translate that to everything. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, you're sitting in a, a business meeting, and uh, instead of it being run the way that it should, where there's an agenda and people are giving each other courtesy of talking and finishing, and yeah, you're trying to listen to the one person that's talking while there's three other conversations that are going on. And, and, the, and the whole time you're tracking this side stress that's going on between Craig and Greg, and mm -hmm. they're not going to be on the same team anymore. No, and I don't even pay attention. I don't even right, know. None of that's exactly. there. Right. That doesn't mean anything to me. I, I have no clue whether they're getting along or not. I just know the logical pieces they're putting out and whether they're making sense or not. I am envious of hearing you say that you can hear the words and just hold them, like mm. like and just process the words. Because I my brain starts playing jazz with them and I wanna like, you know, I wanna like interpret things and start to say, Oh well but behind that there might be this other meaning, you know, and it's like I well, waste I, a lot I, of time that way. I, you know, I, I heard it put it this way one time. You know, when you go and create your own world, you can have it work that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah. in this world, the way it works is words actually have real definitions. Yeah. As humans, we kind of decide we're going to use them however we want to. And we start adding all these nuances to them that are not part of the definition. Hmm. I mean, we have lots of words where the definition, uh, the difference of saying, I'm going to go visit Europe and I'm going to go tour Europe. Mm. Well, mm -hmm. to a lot of people, that means the exact same thing. To me, that means something different. I'm seeing the way you're shaking your head. That, that yeah. to you means something different. Well, well I'm, 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 yeah, I'm with yeah, I mean, you. I mean, you know, visits kind of like I'm dropping in. Hi, you know, cool. This was nice. Tours, hey, like I'm gonna spend you? some time. I'm going around. I'm checking it out. Hmm. Uh, and those are what the literal definitions mean. Right. But all those emotional connotations to them, except for the emotional words, which is not a lot of them. Yeah. There is no emotion tied to tour. There's no emotion right. tied to red. There's no emotion tied to t-shirt. But in how many situations have you talked about things that were red, were T-shirts, were whatever, and it got into an emotional situation? Hmm. That's a great segue over to your a specific area that you're an expert in is helping technical. We call them geeks, but you know that technical worker who's on the spectrum perform inside an organization. That is, you know, that, so that's challenging. So they're high functioning already. Um, or, or they're 
Um, I've been watching since, you know, um, you came on my radar. I'm now way more sensitive to this area. And as you know, because I send you links to right. stories and things that I see. And there's there was just a, something on the world news tonight in the last couple of weeks where there's this overt effort in this one business to bring Aspies into the workplace, but then they're still kind of they're ghettoizing them. You know, I mean, says, oh, this is our special person. You know, and this to is how tokenism, we're going, right, right, and we're going to behave this way around them. But uh, to your point, I believe is that there's somewhere north of 20% in a technical company of the population is diagnosed or undiagnosed. Yeah, and it depends who you talk to as far as the number. 20 would probably be on the low end. That would be a very conservative person. Oh. Uh, I, I know one, one of the people that I uh, had talked up at the um, Autism at Work Summit, she had worked at Intel as a project manager you know, manager, engineer, manager type person. And then she had gone over to Microsoft Research and was, again, a high-level manager at Microsoft Research. And what she said was probably about 50 – and she now is actually a uh, – she's certified licensed uh, therapist and certified to diagnose. So, you know, here's a person that was in the world, went out now. So she knows. She knows. And what she was saying was at Intel, it was probably about 50%. Hmm. In Microsoft Research Labs, she says at least 70%. Whoa, really? But again, Whoa. you're talking the brightest people that Microsoft has. Sure. And hired for the reason that they can focus on one problem and solve it. Right. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, the, the, right. the poster child, I think, of, of this whole thing is, is Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know the, the man was brilliant. Mm-hmm. We, we all know that the man, when the guy got focused on something, there was no, I mean, you know, you read so you're the stories, you watch the movies. he was on the spectrum. Uh, yeah, he's he's considered to uh, undiagnosed. Uh, yeah, he had never had an official diagnosis, but uh, you know everybody just all the markers are there. Yes, very much so, no. uh, including the ones which uh, are the, really some of the negative sides and where you run into some pro- you know problems as an employee mm-hmm. working in a company and you're on the spectrum. Was he was known for being a, basically a nasty jerk, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant but nasty jerk, and there is that stereotype in the IT industry, at least. Uh, you have Reed Hoffman, the, you know, LinkedIn. Sure. Exactly. Who talks about, uh, you know, we, we can't have the brilliant jerk. He ruins team's work. Hmm. So what are you going to say? You're going to throw Steve Jobs off your team? I mean, I, I think the problem is, is you need to learn how to bring the brilliant jerk into the fold and, and accept him and accommodate him, just like you can bring a wild animal in and train it to be there. And live with it. Well, and tolerate <laughs> tolerate something for something, right? So, like, I will right, tolerate right, right, that right. he doesn't understand what he's saying because, you know, d- like he's being derogative to the person who's holding coffee. I will tolerate that because he's going to reinvent the way in which we interact with computers. But what, what I found, and I think this is kind of where you were asking in the direction of, uh, you know, working in the corporate world, a lot of it is... Teaching the and there's this. I'm going to use a term now. Uh, throw another uh, uh, you know buzzword bingo piece buzzword out. Oh, someone who's listening to the show, ladies <laughs> and, and gentlemen. Uh, we're going to talk about neurotypical and neurodiverse. There you go. And uh, <laughs> to, to give the real fast uh, version of it is is just think that there's a you know a, whole, a cloud out there and it has every type of person in every way they can express and be. There's going to be a big 
chunk of them. We run big fancy AI on it, whatever, we group it. There's going to be a big chunk, and we're going to call those typical people. Mm-hmm. That's neurotypical. It doesn't mean anything special other than you're the biggest group, so you're kind of what's considered normal. Anybody outside of that's called neurodiverse, meaning they're not like you. They're, mm-hmm. di- they're different. And it really came out of the autism community. So neurodiverse really... Well, it doesn't mean specifically autism. It could be ADHD. It could be, you know, any of the developmental disorders, which, by the way, are based on, for the most part, the same genes, and they are very high comorbidities along with autism spectrum. So, in other words, it's all related pieces that we're kind of talking with. Got mm-hmm. it. Uh, so that... Like a catch-all when, when we're saying, if those switches are all flipped up, we have a nonverbal, angry, violent person who who doesn't know how to interact at breakfast. But when the switches are flipped a different way, they have a propensity towards music, and we call them a protege, and we give them a scholarship to Juilliard, and we tolerate the fact that they don't know how to put pants on. Yeah, or you know, or, you know the example for me is John's uh, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, an example for me would be uh, I, I go in at a company I'm working. They love the work. I have this great reports. And I, I work as a you know, contractor consultant. So, you know, you get reports back through everything. And uh, then something, a, a, uh, an autism thing happens. You have a meltdown or something. And uh, all of a sudden they go from being you were the best person that they've ever had to you're fired. Hmm. Do you think that that's a political thing that we're dealing with now where, where there's, there's, there's kind of a, a threshold doesn't exist? Like, like you look at United. United had one bad day on a day when they probably had, you know, what? Three seven, million flyers. I would say three million flyers in the yeah. air all yeah. in one day. Yeah. And, and, they, and there's no excuse. They horribly treated the, that, that yeah. person who they dragged off a flight. Well, I, I say they, they didn't even drag them off. They did the right thing. They called the police. Right, right, right. And so airport, that's where it gets even weirder is they didn't actually do it. <laughs> right, right. But they are taking the heat for it. And exactly. There's, and there's this funny thing where it's like, it's like, and that's the thing as in your example of saying like this autism moment happens where, you know, there was a, there was a, a breakdown in some kind of component. You let everybody know there was a breakdown in the component and you're the one who's, who's taking the heat for it. Example. And this is, uh, you know, again, this is how companies need to recognize that, these aren't bad behaviors. These are people being who they are. Yeah. And you need to, I guess you would say, not build the corporation on the common denominator, but uh, build it on the diversity, which means understand right. there's going to be a right. lot of right. weirdness right. in a lot of directions. Mm. Uh, but an example of what happened to me is I was working on it. It was a very short-term, high-pressure project. Uh, I had, it was me. There was a developer in Philadelphia and a project manager that was – in Denver, but never in the building, is managing other projects too. We get to launch day, we shove the thing out. It, there's lots of pressure. The uh, the uh, the sales liaison to the customer uh, in the morning makes you know derogatory remarks about me. I'm pissed off. I'm hacked off. I still get the launch out. Uh, and now after the launch is out, finally it's done. I pick up the phone. I call my project manager, and I just like ream him out on the phone because I'm just livid at what this guy yeah. you know especially after I just pulled off what he would, said I couldn't do. Yeah. And uh, great, and, uh, that happens. Uh, now I get a call uh, next morning. It says, don't come in. And what had happened was somebody sitting near me had heard me yelling and using... Inflammatory know, language. Right, which when people on the spectrum have a meltdown, you essentially have no control. And words come out that are not what you mean. Right. And this essentially, it's like a convulsion. Mm. Not physically, mm. but as far sure, as sure, the sure. process, a once sneeze, it kicks uh, off, you yeah. can't stop it. It just right. goes through its thing and it wears itself out and it takes, you know, 20 minutes, whatever it takes. Huh. And at some point, 
the person is probably going to be either saying threatening or you know, profanity or something. In it's a in the toolkit. I'm going to grab every tool in the kit and throw it on the field. Well, I have no control right. of this right. kit anymore. Everything's coming out because I, I lost my control. Is what right, it right, 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 right. Uh, and that's what it is. It just builds up, builds up, builds up. So, so you lose it. <laughs> so now that you are hyper aware of this, right? Post diagnosis, you're hyper aware. You said you 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 go talk to a psychologist. You're hell. You're writing about it. You're on a podcast talking about it. Um, do you and and you understand it as well as anybody could in themselves? When you feel that oh, waves coming on. Do you do you have the capacity now to be able to stop that, or are you just you know seatbelts on, baby? This is gonna go. I can't stop this. That's an interesting question, uh, and the reason I say it's an interesting question is that there's kind of two sides to it. Uh, besides the fact that I got diagnosed, I also am on a, a range of medications. Yeah, I'm okay. on any anxiety, uh, which is the most common comorbidity with people on the spectrum. These are people that have high anxiety. Yeah. So when you're talking to them, you already got somebody that's, you know, sure. stressed out just sitting there. Um, so I'm on medication for that. I'm on medication for depression, which is probably the second most common comorbidity with it. So having those under control now yep. is giving me better access to what's going on okay. in me. Got it. But can I stop it? Do you see it coming as better, the better thing? Are, are you aware enough or getting aware enough where it's like, oh, and I, I'm just curious how out of control. I mean, it, it, it could be, hey, this is just who I am and this is going to happen. Sorry, everybody. I, I think it, it falls closer to the, the latter, that I can see the steps occurring. Uh, it's almost as if, uh, you know, anybody who's been in a, a, an accident of some sort, car or, you know, whatever. Oh, it's like things going to slow motion down. and you yeah. can see that it's happening and you know where it's going to go, but you really can't do. I mean, you can do a few little things, but you can't do a huge amount can't to change the overall. Yeah, you can't change the overall outcome. You're not going to not have the crash anymore, no matter mm. what you do. You might be able to change whether you hit another car or just hit the guardrail, but. Does it also then, I mean, that's, there's a, uh, I mean, there's a lot of analogies here that you could use, but, but, which is to say like, this has to come out. Right. And that has to happen. That's mm. one of the things that companies mm. need to learn is, is when they mm. are dealing with their technical people and it's pretty obvious when they're getting agitated. Right. I mean, us technical people don't know it's obvious, but all the rest of you, you know, sure. neurotypicals know that they're obviously getting <laughs> agitated. Yeah. You got to call stop. I mean, it's what you do, the, you know, if you're dealing with a kid. Right. How long would you let the kid be all, you know, ragged out and agitated before you finally realize whatever you're talking about isn't going anywhere until you get this kid back to ground zero again? Right. Is there any kind of, is there any kind of, because as you work with people longer and maybe that guy on the other, so you have, the, you know, you have the, the, the worker nearby who overhears versus the worker that's on the phone that was like, yeah, no, he called up pissed off. Like he was, he, he had merit. He, he said a lot of things that probably I, I don't need him to say, but he said them. Uh, but I, I know that that's what was happening. And so I just, I let it wash over me. It's the other worker who didn't understand that there was yes. a pre-existing condition that would that would, would say, oh yeah, this is just, this is part of a process. It happens. I used to have allergies when I was a kid and I'd go run around the, yeah, uh, we'd have PE in the morning and we'd go run around mm. the track. <laughs> and on mornings, and I didn't know this, but on mornings where they had mowed, they would have aerated 
all of the pollen from that grass into the air, and I would go hyperventilate it for two laps around the track, get back into gym, and there was a, a there was a, a an egg timer set essentially in my body that was going to say, these are the steps. You're going to go do PE for 35 minutes. You're going to take a shower. And in that time, we're going to create a sensation in your head that you're going to go blind in your left eye. A migraine is going to kick in. Uh, and then you're going to vomit. It's, and it's, it's, it's on a timer. There's no getting around it. And this happened to me like 17 times. But it was on the schedule. And you never of, knew. I didn't associate because it was, it was an hour and a half later. Right. I didn't know it was happening. But once I realized that that's that we, once we put that puzzle together. Yeah. Then the moment I'd kind of jog out onto the track and go, this grass has been mowed. It's like stop, well, walk yeah, around because out. because otherwise an egg timer is set. And an hour and a half later, I will be on all fours. Yeah. That, very similar. And it, it's very similar for me at this point that now that I have recognized it, just like when you finally recognize yeah. what the cause was. Mm-hmm. If I can pull out of the situation real early, mm. before yeah, yeah. you've run mm. two laps, mm. yes, yes, uh, mm. you, you mm. walked out in the field, you looked around, and you turned around and walked back. Yeah. It, it, Not no. going to win. I mean, I walk in, we start talking, and it's obvious that this is going to be a really bad situation, and I just say, I'm out of here for today. Yeah. yeah. But if we went very far into it, suddenly... But if the coach yells at you and says, no, you got to run these two laps, you're like, okay, but you're setting off the timer. Well, you know, and, and with Asperger's, it's really, they can just suck you in. All they got to yeah. do is hit you with something that really means something to you, and you start responding uh, back, and you're sucked in, even though you knew you better get out of that room. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is exciting for me, because I, I have a couple friends that have... That have uh, well, wh- as do I. Well, I have a couple of friends that are Asperger's, but I was also I have a, a couple of friends that have kids that that you know that this kind of was, you know, nobody comes into uh, having a child expecting to have right. them be neurodiverse. Right. right. No, but they all right. want to be Einstein. Right. Right. But guess what? Einstein had you know, he's actually uh. thought as people go back and you know, yeah, that, look no, at it. He's considered it. that likely was on the spectrum. If he wasn't on the spectrum, he's got so many traits. Right. Um, right. But when you think about it, that's what kids, that's what parents want. I want Einstein. I want a, a Bill Gates, I want who also is on the spectrum. Uh, oh, well, Jerry Seinfeld. I yeah, mean, who's also like, self, you know, he, he's self-admitted. Yeah. Uh, and they all want geniuses, but right. nobody wants the kid who isn't the genius. <laughs> but unfortunately, just like everything else, in order to have one end, you got to have the other end, too. There's a balance in life, you and, and you got to pay your bills. Other, uh, so Seinfeld, Einstein, Gates, Jobs. Give me one other name. Robin Williams. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. A- and a lot it's of those other how you issues can, yeah. are probably what caused him to end up taking his life was the combination of the anxiety, depression, the depression, anxiety. Yeah. the never feeling like you quite fit in yeah. um, because you never fit into most things because you're tuned out to two thirds of what's going on most of the time. We used to talk about when I, when we were working with students that were coming into art school and so people would show up, you know, like refrigerator repairman. I remember this very clearly. This refrigerator repairman shows up with his daughter. She's dressed as goth, you know, she's full goth (laughs) and he's got his blue with his name over his, uh, over the breast pocket. Buck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's sitting there and he's just kind of like, I don't, what do I have here? What is this? Yes. And I said, well, let me explain to you what you've got there. You've got a, a person uh, who has an overly developed frontal lobe. And in the frontal lobe is the place where uh, anxiety lives. And anxiety is operating in a way where you can anticipate all of the things that are going to happen to you as you walk down the street. And you're going to anticipate that the safe might fall out the window. You're going to anticipate that there's a snake in the grass. You're going to anticipate that this guy's going to try to sell you something. This homeless person's going to cost 
cost you. The car might veer off the road. You can anticipate all of those things. But if you're really good at it, if you have a very active frontal lobe, you, you, you process all of that instantly. You know what you don't process? Well, maybe I'll find $5 bills lying in front of me. Maybe somebody will give me ice cream. Maybe I'll, I'll win the lottery before I get to the end of the street. You process all of the things that keep you alive. But with a really active frontal lobe, you can imagine all of those things over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, and so unless you get in a car accident and you have frontal lobe damage and then you don't anticipate anything, it all goes away. And so I said, so what you have there is a child that has an incredible amount of imagination that can imagine things that haven't happened yet that don't exist. So her frontal lobe is operating in a way that your brain can't even process. And that's why she's got anxiety and procrastination because she's thinking about all the ways that it can go wrong. And so mm. she doesn't even start. And he's just looking at me like, but whoa. <laughs> well, you know, what you just explained is, is really is the exact same somebody on the spectrum. And it's possible she was on the spectrum. There sure. are quite a number of people in the arts yeah, that right. are also on the spectrum. Right. Uh, so it's not just a technology thing. Uh, it really tends to be right. technology and arts. It's really what do you say? A special interest. It's a special interest. It's a special interest. Is it right. STEM? Yeah. And uh, usually it's a special interest that uh, to be super good at it requires you to push past what most people would do. Mm-hmm. And because we're on the spectrum, like you say, her brain was probably developed to the point that it had more capacity to generate the anxiety. Mm-hmm. He uh, wasn't worried about going and repairing a refrigerator every day. He knew how to fix a refrigerator. Mm. He'd been taught how to fix a refrigerator. He didn't have to imagine how to fix a refrigerator. He just had to know how to fix a refrigerator. But she was imagining everything. She was imagining love, and she was imagining friendship, and she was imagining all these things that she could or couldn't have. Well, you know, I'm imagining as I go, uh, you know, things as simple, and I I prefer to travel. uh, I'm traveling this time by myself. I, you know, Mm. and I I am capable. I do travel by myself. but more often than not, my wife and I do travel for these kind of things because we're both doing a lot of stuff together. And I realized on this trip, which I've never quite realized before, I don't like traveling, traveling by myself. And not because I feel lonely. I'm fine by being by myself. Yeah. You know, send me in the woods and I'm, I'm great. I'll spend all night by myself. I don't care. I'm fine. It's handling all those little situations that might come up huh. that... If she's there, I don't have to worry about him. I don't have to think about him. She'll, she's the agent for that. She can handle those she things. She can deal with it. When the flight gets late, when, you yeah. know, when, the, when, yeah. when things change from what they're supposed to be, when you show up and the, uh, at LAX, uh, you know, they have all the food things in one spot. Yeah. And it's closed for construction and you've got three hours to wait for your plane. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't do very well at all. Right. Uh, she handles it a lot better. So for me, traveling with somebody that can take care of the unprepared pieces allows me to unload the uh, even worrying about it. So we're going to get his and her t-shirts for them to travel. <laughs> and yeah. one will say neurodiverse. Yes. And, and one will say neurotypical. Neurotypical. And yeah. that would be just the perfect geek gift to get for you. And Tim, unfortunately, we had a fantastic conversation, but unfortunately we're out of time. And, uh, my listeners, and I'm thinking of Max and Issa and Alan, who are fascinated by this, have been They're just upset now. They are upset right now. Well, they're, they're yelling. Their yeah. They're screaming at me at the yeah. phone. They want to know where to get the book. Tim, where are they going to get the book? Well, they can get the book uh, simply by going to Amazon, or you can go to my site, which is just timgoldstein.com, so T-I-M-G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N.com. And uh, on that one, just click on the link up top that says book. 
and uh, it will take you to a Pretty page. Pretty obvious. That, yeah. So either Amazon, if you're a Prime member, go to Amazon, get your free shipping. I, I know you've been working on this for a long time. Congratulations on getting this done. It's going to make a huge difference for both both people, both sides of the equation, both the hiring managers and people who are working with neurodiversity in the workplace, and then for those that are neurodiverse figuring out how to work with us typicals and uh, how, how that works <laughs> yeah, Actually, out. you're right. I, I got a comment back from, I had sent a copy to a, uh, she's a global uh, diversity and inclusive NIF officer for a, an international company that has people in all 24 time zones. And, uh, is that Atlassian? Yeah, it's Atlassian. Yeah, well, no, you can say that because okay. I've been on the show. Helen's been on the show. Okay, so well, this, this is actually with, with Aubrey, who is oh, uh, yes. the, the um, diversity person, whereas uh, um, Helen is the head uh, HR. of the yeah. HR Global. Yeah. So diversity falls underneath. She says that she's Helen. the chief people officer. Yeah, I chief think. people officer, exactly. Right. So diversity falls under that group. Very uh, progressive of a company to have a at, at the officer level someone in charge of diversity. Wait, I want to yes. hear what her comment was. <laughs> well, her comment was is she and she hasn't read through the whole book. She's you know a busy woman. She's in more organizations than I even know how she does it. I want to know how she does it. That's the mm-hmm. answer. But uh, what was I've already learned a whole bunch of things. I can't wait to get through more of it because this is going to help us so much in recreating our interview process. Oh, nice. That's great. Nice. Tim, thank you so much. I know you made a special trip out here to be in the studio. You've told me that you've listened to all of the episodes, which I know because I look in the back and I said, who is this guy, Goldstein? Why is he listening to the show? Wait, that might only be, there might only be three of us who Who listen to (laughs) Maybe four. Maybe Alan is also in that No, I think Kevin Burke. Kevin Burke, uh, has, Alan. Has so this, it's like a like the five timers club. We're <laughs> a very a, small club. Oh, oh, that means we get smoking jackets. <laughs> <laughs> Something we get some reward for. I've always it. wanted a smoking jacket. Oh my <laughs> gosh, thank you. Now, um, uh, as you know, we come to the part of the show where we get to put you, the we is you, get to put a title on the show. What are we, what are we going to call the show? You know, there's a term I, I've been using, uh, not a what we've been talking about, I've been using a bunch, and I, I refer to it as engaging the technical worker. Okay. And I, I think I like that because it encompasses the whole piece that the problem with the technical worker of engaging them is, is you've got to understand autism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of us aren't even aware that most technical workers have autism. So I like the, uh, the engaging the technical worker because it will draw in people without saying, oh, I don't want to know about this mental illness stuff. And they'll suddenly go, oh, my God, that's the people that I work with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I asked for the title for obvious reasons, but I just um, I let people know, go to 805connect.com and click on the podcast and look at the episodes. I recently redid the whole website. Yeah. But I, um, I put a subhead in there, which is, there's the title, so that's for the Google juice, right? Because I want that. And as someone is scanning through the list, but then as they're reading, there's something to me that is more in, indicative, it's another, it's a subhead that I've been doing. And I typically do that as we're writing, and the subhead for this show is thinking in black and white. Mm, which, good one. Which, you know, you as you're listening, I just, no, that's going to be the good one. Tim, thank you so much for being on the show. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services, three years running, and our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, drop us a note, 
to partner at 805connect.com. And Patrick, how could our listener who has stayed with us, focused <laughs> through this very, very interesting conversation, how could they help us out? All the way to the end where the pipes start rattling. I'm hearing a, a <laughs> knocking and I'm, I'm wondering if it's somebody who's locked in a basement. Uh, <laughs> just on the other side of our wall here. Let me out. There's a lot of pipes and I just wonder if there's somebody, I saw the Poseidon Adventure also <laughs> the other day. Anyway, uh, I feel distracted. Uh, rate, write, review. Go go back through our back catalog. There are some real gems in there, some conversations uh, that, that definitely will... Um, alter the way in which you perceive whatever the subject is of that particular conversation. Mm, so mm. Uh, go back in there and, and find one on a topic that you uh, maybe need a little refresher or don't know enough on and uh, and listen to it. We're definitely in later episodes. Here's here's my future prediction. In later episodes, we're going to reference this episode, just so you know. So, yeah, we um, will. Yeah, yeah we so will. keep that in mind. Rate, write, review. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Send Mark an email uh, to let him know uh, how silky smooth his voice sounds even three years in. I love those letters that start with, Mark, you have such a silky smooth voice. In fact, someone wrote me two weeks ago and said, well, obviously, you've been classically trained. <laughs> and I was like, yes, obviously, I have. And thank you, because I know you are listening right now. And I just, I don't know, I love the sound of my own voice. Uh, maybe that's what it is. I would love to hear from you. If you've got questions, you've got an idea, if someone I should talk to, Right now, by the way, I'm going to shout out. We're looking for uh, a few great ideas for the TEDx Santa Barbara stage coming up in November. So those people tend to make really great guests on this show. Just saying. Drop me a line at mark at 805connect.com. Thank you so much. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. <laughs>